Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 53. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your up close and personal and revealing get together with Gary Renard, best selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and Love Has Forgotten No One. Ooh. That sounded unusually rich today, didn't it? Richness. The richness of substance and meaning that are contained in these books. It's amazing. I'm Gene Bogart, <laughs> your often too wordy co-host and producer of these shows along with my buddy Gary. And speaking of which, he's the reason we're really all here. He is the reason for this season. Would you welcome him to our little stage, please? It's the inimitable Mr. Gary Renard. Thank you. Oh, wow. They are, Thank you. I needed that. Oh, they are wild today, Gar. I mean, unusually Very so. Ooh. Must be the Christmas spirit. It must be. We're, we're getting close here. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of breath from that. That was, that was literally exciting for me, and I don't know why. That's because you have to work all those levers and buttons. <laughs> I've got my feet on one thing, and my nose is pushing a fader over here. <laughs> I'm like a one-man band. Ah, oh, and here we are, episode 53, and before anybody tunes us out early, because we're talking, we are doing exclusively a Questions for Gary show. All right. I'm going to see if I can build in some echo on that later on, but uh, yeah, we, we promised everybody we we're going to do Questions for Gary exclusively on this pr on this program, and we are here on episode 53. Uh just to, to set the stage, uh, last time when, when we left you last time on the Gary Renard podcast, it was after Halloween and approaching Thanksgiving, I believe. And, uh, so now it's after Thanksgiving. We're actually, we're actually in Hanukkah as we do this. So happy Hanukkah to you, Gary. Oh, thank you. Happy Hanukkah to you. It always makes me think of, uh, Adam Sandler's song. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> The classic Hanukkah song. Eight wonderful days and seven crazy nights. Or however, yeah. You know, even for folks who are not Jewish, and neither of us grew up as Jewish people. We converted later, but uh, no, I'm I'm kidding. But uh, I grew up in a very Jewish community. I think I've I've spoken about this before. So for me, the signs of the season were always a nativity scene, a Christmas tree, and a menorah. You know, that's just what what was around. And it's so I always think of it as the wonderful festive part of the year. Uh, if if you have not been familiar for anybody, especially for the goyim out there, if you don't know the story the story of Hanukkah, you should really check it out because it really is an inspiring story of faith and redemption, uh, God working miracles. It's it's a terrific story whether you're Jewish or not. So I encourage people to check that out. And happy Hanukkah to everyone who celebrates or simply admires it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I grew up uh, not knowing anything about Judaism, and I had a few Jewish friends, but nobody ever talked about it back in those days. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was actually uh, 16 years old before I saw my first black person. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah, because you were in, in the woods of Maine where, you know, everyone's white as snow. <laughs> that's where I ended up, but at that time, I, it, when I was 16, I was in Massachusetts, but uh, ah. it was just uh, one of those things. And uh, then, you know, I've learned all about so many different things through the years, uh, especially once I got into spirituality, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, I I just realized all all these uh, you know things that people you know think about and talk about nowadays. And I'm glad that uh, you know people are are more open about talking about their beliefs and their religion. And you know, there was a time in America when nobody you know talked about their spirituality uh, in public, only in church. And now that's totally changed. It's like people are very open about talking about it, whatever it is. Uh, with people, it doesn't have to be in church, mm -hmm. it could be uh, anywhere. And uh, I think that's a good and recent development. Yeah, it does seem to be something that we, uh, we. I think people have a little, in general, a better familiarity, as you just said, with other religion, religions other than their own. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've always felt that way. That can only help, you know, if, even for those who don't worship God, so many people still do believe that there is something beyond just our physical self that we appear. I mean, this is certainly from a course perspective. It's ridiculous. There is no physical self. The, the, the reality with God is the only thing. But for most people, it's somewhere in between. But when you think about it, most religions, almost all of them, really are, are essentially worshiping a, a, a supreme creative being, which is a pretty good term for God. So, you know, our, our similarities are far greater than our differences. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that uh, Jews and Christians alike uh, worship a God uh, who will kill you if you don't, uh, you know, get the uh, program, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, we do have a lot in common, and... Uh, I think that uh, before we get into too much trouble here, maybe we should uh, just remember that even though this is a Q and A, uh, it is okay if we take a minute to wish everybody happy holidays, a merry Christmas, uh, happy Hanukkah. We're going to do a uh, New Year show uh, that'll be available in the new year, but uh, we want to get this one out around Christmas. Even though it's not really a Christmas show, uh, we definitely want to wish everybody uh, happy holidays, and then we're going to get. Right to the question. We're going right to questions. Answer. But yeah, so just on the timeline of things, so it's, it's, it is, we're in the midst of, of the multiple days and celebration nights of Hanukkah. Uh, Christmas is, is looming ahead of us, coming up very quickly. Um, so this program is going out, but we're going to turn this one, I swear to you, I'm going to turn this one around quickly. And this will be out, uh, m- multiple days before Christmas. And then our other one, we're going to try to get it out after Christmas, but just before New Year's to wrap up the year. And that's where we'll kind of talk about something, bringing up to date on Gary's stuff and, and what's going on and, and other stuff, and we'll do our kind of holiday talk about Christmas and New Year's then. So, okay. That's good. That's I think. great. And, and I think we'll make uh, more of an effort in the future to get to questions also. So we yeah. We have questions new and old, and uh, in fact, uh, we're going to start off, why don't we just start off, I'm going to start off with a new one, and then we're also going to do one of the really older ones, and uh, so we're going we're gonna to span the archives here today. This one actually, from we have from the same person who kind of, sort of the buckshot approach, we had actually uh, one that came in like two weeks ago, one question, and then three more came in yesterday. They're all brief, and they're sort of related. These will be quick answers to just get Gary up on the roll, and then the other ones I think will be lengthier answers. So this is from Shuhei. I think I'm pronouncing the name correctly. So uh, Shuhei, I want to thank you for the question here. This is from the one that came in about two weeks ago. says, Hi, Gary. I've read your two books, and I'm on my way to reading your third book. My question is, and again, these this is the first of several little quick questions, Gary, little appetizer questions. The question is, how do you know when the ego is undone? We're talking about undoing the ego in our work within the Course. So how do you actually know when the ego is undone? That's from Shuhei. Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think probably the uh, first prerequisite for that, uh, knowing that the ego has been completely undone, would be that nothing upsets you, uh, nothing bothers you. You know, it's like uh, nothing can push your buttons. You know, that person uh, comes into the room who used to hate and they used to always kind of like make you feel weird, and now they don't affect you. Uh, you know, the Course overlooks the world, and it says that about the kind of forgiveness that we do, it denies the ability of anything, not of God, to affect you. So if the world is not affecting you in an adverse way, if it cannot take away your peace, which, of course, it can only do if you let it, and if you give it the power to do so, then you're getting to that place where the world literally cannot affect you, and as guilt is undone uh, in the mind by the Holy Spirit, which it is every single time you practice forgiveness, the Holy Spirit uh, is performing some kind of a healing yeah. in the mind. So you're getting more power in the mind. Uh, the blocks to uh, the power in your mind are being undone and cleared away by the Holy Spirit. Uh, what is left is spirit, which literally is love, as the Course says, you know, teach only love for that is what you are, which brings up a couple of more points. First of all, if you're seeing everything that you do in your life as an expression of love, you know, if that's where you're coming from, you don't have to go looking for it. You know, it's like that's where you're coming from. And if you understand that heaven is yours, uh, you know, you don't have to earn heaven. It was given to you. 
you know, as a gift. You know, it was given to you by God. The Course describes it as your natural inheritance. So you don't have to earn it. All you have to do is awaken to it. And if you are experiencing spirit, you know, the kind of oneness that the Course talks about when it talks about heaven, that awareness of perfect oneness, because the blocks to the awareness of love's presence have been removed in the mind, and you're experiencing that, then uh, that's another, you know, really uh, good indication that you have completely undone the ego. And then the, the real test would be that you do not feel any physical pain. And uh, that that bar is set pretty high because uh, of the lesson that Jesus caused, uh, you know, taught with uh, the crucifixion. You know, he was saying that what he really was uh, had nothing to do with the body, and that uh, it didn't matter if somebody even destroyed his body because he couldn't feel any pain. The guiltless mind cannot suffer. Uh, the course means that literally. And if the ego were completely undone, there would be no guilt in your mind by definition because your mind would have been completely healed by the Holy Spirit. And if the guiltless mind cannot suffer, then that means that you literally would not be able to feel any physical pain. Uh, I remember uh, just before my first book came out, uh, maybe four months before that, I had just gotten my first publishing deal with Patrick. And uh, you know, my ego pretty much tried to kill me uh, by giving me a kidney infection. And uh, to make a long story short, I was in the emergency room, and this doctor decided to perform a test on me. And what he did was he stuck a really big needle uh, directly into the head of my penis. Ow! And uh, (laughs) that was the moment that I realized that I was not yet enlightened. (laughs) (laughs) And do I think, if I'm not mistaken, the moment sounded a little something like this. <laughs> oh, I, I wish it was as gentle as that, I mean, because uh, I let out a scream. Oh, I, oh God! That, that I know could be heard all the way down the corridor, oh. and, and uh, I won't tell you what word I yelled out. Uh-huh. But uh, it's, I would think there would like, be several. <laughs> well, I, I pretty much stuck to this one word. <laughs> and uh, was there a point to him doing this, or was it pure sadism? Yeah, he had to do something uh, to get something. I don't oh. Know. I don't know why, either that or maybe he just enjoyed doing it. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Surely there are better ways to achieve any actual goal than that. Yeah, yeah. uh, (coughs) Oh, my. You know, anyway, that was kind of a miraculous story because I was going to go to bed that night and I heard a voice that said, call Pat. Uh Ah. Now, Pat, uh, you know, I had a mother-in-law named Pat who happened to be a nurse, and I called her and... uh, you know, I, she said, what's going on? I gave her the symptoms I was having, and she said, well, uh, you better get your ass to the emergency room. Uh-huh. Because that could be an infection, and untreated, an infection can kill you. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, not happily, but uh, interestingly, uh, Jim Henson of the Muppets had the same thing. Oh, no kidding. And he didn't go yeah. to the emergency room. He thought he had the flu or something, went to bed, went to sleep, and promptly died. Oh. And uh, so, you know, when I say uh, my ego tried to kill me, I, I wasn't really kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, you, so you knew the ego was still at least somewhat effective in your. In your... I was going to say yeah. something about this question too, and I don't. This could sound smart alecky. I don't mean it that way at all. But if the question is, how do you know when the ego is undone? I would say that if the ego were undone, you would never ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, you know it's. It's rare for people to, you know, achieve the things that I just described. Yeah. But when they do, I think they know it. I think they're living the happy dream. I think that, uh, you know, it's like the Course describes, you walk the world as others do, but you smile more frequently. Right. You know uh, the truth, and now you're living the truth, and you know that this is the last time, and when you gently lay your body aside for the final time, that that awareness of perfect oneness that you're uh, experiencing will become your permanent reality. It'll become your permanent experience. And at that point, I, I think you you just simply don't even have questions like that. Like, am I am I really sure that my because you just would simply know it. You would be in that state of complete knowingness, which almost no one is. And you know, we we can and we're on the journey to getting very close to that. But that's almost 
just before you know god takes the final step to you know bring you home you know so uh, that's a that's really far up the but we can you can unravel much of the ego and thereby do away with much of the ego's nastiness that you just don't don't have to live with anymore so you're not fully there but you're you know you're doing really really well that is a state we can all aspire to and actually achieve yeah and it shows how much you uh you know change during the process when i first read that at the end of the preface in the course it says uh when we are ready god himself will uh take the last step in our return to him and when I first heard that, I thought that meant that God was going to kill me. <laughs> so it shows how your perception can change. You, know? <laughs> you were still believing in that vengeful, angry God we spoke of before, that other one. Yeah. <laughs> the one who kills millions because he's mad at them. Hey, listen, yeah, let, yeah. let me move forward because I've got a couple more here. They're all quickies. These are still from Shuhei. who had this little barrage of stuff. This is the appetizer course. Then we're going to okay. move to the salad. Um, when A Course in Miracles says to forgive the world... Does that mean to renounce the world? Is is that the way we look at that? Well, that really depends on how you look at the word uh, renounce. Yeah. Uh, there was a place in the disappearance of the universe where I heard uh, the voice of Jesus. It was an audible voice, uh, very loud and clear. And what he said to me was, renounce the world and the ways of the world. Make them meaningless to you. But I really think that the most important word... And what he said to me was the word meaningless. Yeah. You know, because renounce, uh, in the case of the Course, would not be a physical thing, where you are renouncing anything physically and and taking the life of an ascetic and giving up everything and and going off and, you know, uh, living in the desert or on top of a mountaintop and not having, you know, any possessions or anything. Right. And it, it, it's, uh, it's not a condemnation. It's not like I renounce this. It's you know I speak down to it. But it just it's a it's a letting go. A completely you know right. It's about uh, psychologically letting go. Yeah. Uh, of course, is all always done at the level of the mind. Uh, it's not about giving up anything on the level of the physical. Because if you think you have to do that, you're making it just as real in your mind as if you want it. I mean, just two sides of the same coin. And uh, what the course is saying is uh, that by forgiving it, I'm not attaching any psychological significance to it. I don't need it. It's like when the Course says, I need to do nothing. I don't need to do anything. You know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to appear to do things. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have things. Uh, You know, the Course is always done uh, in a psychological way, and you can give up any attachment to the world, and then it would be meaningless to you. So it's more a kind of renunciation where you're saying, that uh, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't need it. I can uh, be in it uh, or appear to be in it better. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have any effect on me because now I'm above the battleground. Right. So uh, when you, you know, think of that word renounce, uh, it's a psychological way of renouncing it. It's not a physical way of renouncing it. Right. It also it reminds me of the lesson, I loose the world from all I thought it was. Which is, yeah. I always like, I love that one because that's the term that's used in archery sometimes to loose an arrow. You don't actually thrust it or shoot it because you're holding back on the bow. You just release, you loose it and set it yeah. loose. And uh, so the, I loose the world. And that again, it's not, it's a passive thing. It's not active because you need do nothing. It's just, I nothing this. <laughs> you know, I just let it go. It's, uh, yeah, so it's kind of gentle. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of uh, what Arden and Percy called uh, the law of forgiveness. In the first book, they said, fear binds the world, forgiveness sets it free. Yeah. So it's like we're actually setting the world, including the people who appear to be in it. Uh, we're setting them free, and by doing so, because of the way that the mind works, which, which we've discussed before, we're actually setting ourselves free uh, in the process. Mm-hmm. Here's one, one more for you. We got from Shuhei yet again. Uh, this is a quote from you, and you've talked about this a few times. It says, I heard you say the ego will kill you. But I thought the ego loves the body. Yeah, uh, the ego, I wouldn't use the word love <laughs> when it <laughs> comes to, to the ego. I would say it craves the body, but even more so it craves a bodily identity. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it is all based on that idea of separation. You know, the body you could think of as the thought of separation given form. Right. And the ego craves separation. It idolizes uh, the, the body, because yeah. it literally makes an idol of the body. Yeah, the idea of an individual identity, a uh, personal existence, a, a uh, personal psyche that it, you think is you, and 
so what the ego wants the most is for you to think that the body is real. It, it doesn't uh, care about loving it or not loving it as long as you think that it's real because you can, uh, you know, get into a sexual relationship and you can be coming from a place of love, but you're still making the body real in most cases. Yeah. And uh, so either way will work for the ego. As long as the ego can convince you that you're a body, which, as we've said, is the course's uh, practical definition of temptation at the beginning of that section, choose once again, you know, temptation has one lesson it would teach in all its forms, wherever it occurs, it would persuade the Holy Son of God he is a body. And the ego will come up with a thousand different ways to do that. It can be pain, it can also be pleasure. Mm -hmm. It it can be anything that gives you uh, an attachment or an identity with the body. Then uh, you have the Course saying the exact opposite. It says the body is outside of us and not our concern, because it's really just a projection like everything else. And uh, so the Course is saying that it's nothing, and the ego is saying that it's everything. Yeah. And, of course, we have to choose which interpretation of the body we're going to listen to. But uh, I think that that is the ego's number one game plan, to convince you that you're a body, because if the whole uh, ego thought system of separation is based on separation, then if you're a body, that thought system survives and the ego survives. As long as uh, you're a body, that whole ego can of worms is true. And you've bought into it, and the only way out is the course's uh, definition, or at least the only fast way out, is the course's idea that I am not a body. I am free, for I am still as God created me. So uh, you couldn't have a better contrast between the thinking of the Holy Spirit and the thinking of the ego. They are really two opposite things. And you couldn't have a better segue from that answer that you just gave into this final question from Shuhei here, because the question begins, in the workbook it says, I'm not a body, I am free. I I swear to you, I'm just reading this. (laughs) How can can I... Now, this is almost what we talked about a little bit before, so maybe just quickly, if we can, we'll recap it here. How can I see myself beyond the body when I'm in physical pain, like a headache or any other physical pain, or even a mental pain like heartache or loss of a loved one. So that's a little different, the emotional and mental aspect of it, but we touched on the physical thing before. So, yeah, how, just I think we already addressed this, but just to wrap it up, what would you say about that? How do you, how do you move beyond the body when the body seems to be screaming out at you, look, I'm here? Yeah, I say that that is uh, something that you can definitely work with the Holy Spirit on. There is a uh, thought process in the third book, uh, Love Has Forgotten No One, uh, it's on page uh, 79, and it's a process that you can use with the Holy Spirit to actually heal, uh, not you, but the Holy Spirit will heal uh, specific things like what uh, you, know, you just mentioned, whether it's a you know, terrible headache or a pain in the body or, or an illness, something is going wrong. Uh, you can work with the Holy Spirit, and you can get uh, better and better as you go along, because as that guilt, once again, as that interference, that the ego is putting up uh, to you hearing the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the ego is undone, you're actually removing the interference to listening. Uh, you have to be willing to listen, but you also have to do your forgiveness homework, because the more the ego is undone, the more access you have to clearly uh, hearing the Holy Spirit, whether it's an idea that comes into your mind or an intuition or a strong feeling, uh, the more you clear out the ego interference. And this is also true if you're channeling or, or something like that. Uh, the more you undo the ego, the better you're going to be at uh, channeling the Holy Spirit and hearing the Holy Spirit. And you can work with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you specific uh, ideas about how best to you know, have your body be in a, in a position where even if it does feel pain, you can get rid of that pain by working with the Holy Spirit on it. And uh, we've gotten very good results and very good reports from people who are not well uh, using that thought process on page 79 of uh, Love is Forgotten No One. So uh, I would check that out, and I would use it, and I would get used to working with the Holy Spirit. Like if you have a pain in your knee or something, you've got to get that the pain is not in the knee. You know, the pain is in your mind, and it's a function of guilt. And that means that you've got to get that you're innocent. So you, you got to forgive others which forgives yourself, and yes, you can also forgive yourself the same as others, because the principle is no different. 
it's actually the same dynamic. So, uh, you know, the more you undo the ego, the less pain you'll have, and the better you will get at getting rid of any pain that you do have. Very nice. Our next question comes from Fernando. I feel like I should have a musical theme for this. Our friend yeah. Fernando from uh, Argentina. So, hola. Hola, Fernando. You, uh, did you meet Fernando when you were, you've been down in South America? Do you go to Argentina? I know you are in Brazil not long ago. Uh, yeah, I've been to, uh, actually, I've only been to Argentina once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was great. We went to Buenos Aires. Ah. Uh, had a great workshop there. Beautiful people. Would love to go back. Uh, I've been a few places in South America there. Uh, Colombia, which uh, we had a wonderful time in Bogota. And, uh, and of course, a couple of times been to uh, Brazil in uh, Rio de Janeiro. is fabulous. And uh, I've always found the people, and this is also true, especially of Mexico, where I'm, I'm actually going to Mexico twice in March. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we've always had a great time. I've probably been to at least seven or eight uh, different places yeah. in Mexico. And, uh, you know, what's that saying they have? Uh, Mi casa, uh, your casa, my house is your house. Mi casa, su casa, si. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cindy's learning how to speak Spanish. Oh, but. muy bueno. That would be good for her. She's, yeah, so, una hermosa muy linda is uh, Cindy. So it means <laughs> you have a very pretty wife. Uh, I speak a little bit of Spanish. Muy poco y muy malo. Malísimo. Um, so Fernando writes in because I said that, you know, we have to, uh, you'll talk more about your upcoming Mexico thing on the next podcast because this is questions. So Fernando says, hi, guys, I believe I have narcissistic personality disorder, which is painful to say the least. A couple of questions regarding this. Uh, Through forgiveness, oh, it's only through forgiveness that I was even able to become aware of the problem. It says, will I get healed if I forgive? If I get healed, would my pain diminish or would I find another problem in the script that will be just as painful? So does it matter? Does it matter if I get healed or not? Can my pain diminish regardless? So it's kind of like, will will I just trade one problem for another? Or how does, and we know forgiveness will solve everything, but not all at the same time. So, you know, when you're working with a specific thing like this, uh, will forgiveness bring about the healing that we're seeking? Uh, yes, it will. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have other problems. Uh, what if life is a problem? You know, it's like it, it seems that from the moment that we're born to the moment that we die, we are presented with an endless series of problems. And the real purpose of those problems is, to, is obviously to distract us to the world, you know, to the screen that we call our life, uh, to always keep us busy, you know, to keep us away from the mind where the Holy Spirit is. So the ego has a world that we are distracted to, and we will always seem to have problems as long as we appear to be here. Uh, the real question is, what are they for? You know, the Course asks us several times, what is it for? What it's for is forgiveness and working with the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, then you can use your problems for your benefit. You can actually progress light years in your spirituality by using those problems the way that the Holy Spirit would have you use them, which is for forgiveness. So to one point, the Course says, uh, these are the lessons that the Holy Spirit wants you to learn. And uh, those lessons are basically whatever comes up. You know, whatever is, is in front of your face on any given day, that's the lesson. It's never a mystery. It's always right there in front of you. And your real question is, am I going to use that for good by, you know, seeing it with the Holy Spirit and use it for my spiritual progression? Or am I going to get sucked in again by the ego and say, oh, i got another problem, and it's a terrible problem, and it's real, and i gotta, I got to fix it. And, uh, you know, if, if you do that, then you're just playing into the ego's hands. So, uh, you know, I wasn't, like, really enthusiastic when I led, read the last couple of uh, pages of the text. You know, and Jesus says, oh, you know, be thankful that we can walk the world and find so many opportunities for another chance for <laughs> salvation. <laughs> can be or something. I read that. And Thanks I thought, a lot, Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, no, Jesus Christ, thanks a lot. Give me a break, will you? you know, I, I just can't wait to walk into all these situations and problems that I have to forgive. Oh, boy. Oh, goody, goody. I'm going to have more problems. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the happiest boy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hey, I don't have enough problems. I'll tell you what, give me your problems. Yeah. Right, and I'll, I'll take your problems, too. Oh. And, and it's like... Uh, you know, now it seems that way at first, and then as you go along and you get used to practicing forgiveness, you realize, you know, uh, this is actually working. Yeah. 
That's the weird thing. I mean, all kidding aside, it does, uh, you know, I won't go into my whole story, which we've talked about, about, you know, essentially either dying or hovering at the the precipice of death. But it it becomes really clear to you. It's like, oh, here's a good problem that that I'm able to forgive. And it's like, you really, you've surmounted, it's like, I guess once you've climbed Mount Everest, it's like no other mountain really particularly challenges you because there's nothing on this planet anyway that's higher than that one. So it's kind of like, well, okay, I was I was just dying, and I found that I could forgive that. So really, what else? What uh, you know? So I have my eye goes bad, or I broke a foot, I you know whatever. It's just another thing, you know. So you 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 do get better at it, and and in a weird perverse way, you actually do welcome these challenges when they come along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in answer to that question, I would say, you know, uh, yeah, forgive it. And if you get another problem, forgive that. Uh, probably the most important uh, quality that anybody can have when it comes to doing A Course in Miracles is the quality of perseverance. Yeah. Of really, you know, being determined to stick with it, to mean it when you say you want the peace of God uh, to do the work so that you will have the results. Because if you do it, it'll work. And uh, if you don't do it, of course, then there's not much hope for it working. But uh, I think that you've got to be determined. You've got to have that perseverance. And uh, you know, you've got to really want it. And if you really want it, then you will do it. That is true. Let's move on to another question. And this one is from, and I don't have the actual name because I just have the email here. And the, the name on the email is, it looks like LCAPS. So if that's, it's probably an initial caps or some, or LC apps or some, I'm not sure, but LCAPS is the name for the moment. Forgive me for not actually knowing, but it's not here. So here's the question from LCAPS. Okay, so God is taking the last step of salvation for me. He's brushing away the cobwebs, in quotes, the cobwebs of my sleep. God is talking to me all the time. So why don't I feel all of this? Why don't I feel God? Why can't I hear God? Is it that everyone else who reads the text, does the lessons, prays to the Holy Spirit for guidance, gets this supernatural contact from God? Sometimes it sounds like the lessons speak to someone who feels and understands the presence of God, but not for me. What's wrong with me? So that's the question, Gary. That's a... That's an emotional question. You can hear it. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, there are people who feel that way. Uh, you know, this person is not the only person who feels that way. Yeah. And at some point, what's going to happen is you are going to start to feel it. As you undo the ego, eventually, if you think with the Holy Spirit, your experience has to change. Now, I would say uh, make sure that you go all the way with your forgiveness, because the biggest mistake that I've seen course students make is that they don't go all the way with it. Uh, You have to remember that Jesus didn't just describe the problem. He completely replaced the thought system of the ego with the thought system of the Holy Spirit. So uh, he went all the way with his forgiveness, and eventually, uh, aside from not making it real, which is, you know, very important in what I would describe as the second step to forgiveness, you've really got to go to that third step. You've got to overlook the body, and you've got to think in like the Holy Spirit thinks. You know, the Holy Spirit thinks in terms of oneness. The Holy Spirit thinks in terms of wholeness. The ego thinks in terms of division, separation, differences, anything that can lead to judgment. And the Holy Spirit completely overlooks all of that, uh, overlooks the body, looks past it, and thinks outside of the box, and thinks of people as being this perfect spirit that is not a partial attribute, according to the Course. So... The Holy Spirit thinks of everybody as being not just part of it, but all of it. You know, exactly the same as God. So you can't think of Spirit as being a partial thing or a partial attribute. You have to think of it as being uh, this perfect oneness, which is how the Holy Spirit uh, thinks. The Course says the Holy Spirit sees your illusions, but doesn't believe in them. So the Holy Spirit, while seeing our illusions, the same as you, is overlooking them and thinking in terms of wholeness and oneness. Of course, as everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself, because the Holy Spirit thinks spirit. So to the Holy Spirit, you are spirit. Uh, to you, for a while, at least, you're, you're going to still think that you're a body. But eventually, by seeing spirit everywhere, you will come to experience it in yourself, which is why the Course says, as you see him, you will see yourself. If they are this perfect spirit, completely innocent, uh, which has done nothing, because this is just a dream, 
and nothing really happens in a dream. So that's why they're innocent. And if you think of them that way long enough and uh, consistently enough, you will eventually experience yourself that way. And, uh, you know, I did want to mention one more thing about the experience of oneness. Uh, when you have that experience that the Course describes as uh, revelation, which is, you know, different than the way that Christians think about it. They think of it as, you know, intellectual information that is given to you by the divine, but the Course would describe it as direct knowledge of God and, and actual experience of God, and that's what the Course is talking about when it uses the word knowledge. It's not talking about intellectual knowledge. Right. Uh, it's talking about, you know, an ex- actual experience of, of spirit. And uh, that is knowledge in much the way that the Gnostics used uh, the word gnosis. Uh, They were talking about direct experience of God. And in that experience, there are no questions, which is why uh, the Course describes it as the uh, complete but temporary suspension of doubt and fear. You know, in that experience of your perfect oneness with God, there is no doubt, which means that there are no questions, and there is only the answer, which is God. And uh, then you appear to come back here after that experience, and you may have questions, and you may realize that you're dreaming the questions, because these questions that we're answering do not exist in perfect oneness. Where there are no questions, there is only the answer. Uh, It is only in a dream of separation that you can have doubt and questions. And uh, another way that you would know that you were enlightened and that you had completely undone the ego would be that you wouldn't have any questions, which you kind of touched on yeah, uh, yourself. Yeah. So uh, that's an important uh, distinction. And I think on this question, too, uh, the, the, the kind of the emotional cry for help that I was hearing in the question was, you know, that other people are feeling the presence of God, but I'm not feeling God's presence. The thing to remember, I think, and I guess is basically what you said, it's not that God is not extending God's presence to you. It's there all the time. It's, as Jesus refers to in the Course, the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, that's what the ego puts in the way. So that's what we're taking out of the way. It's up to us to remove the blocks. Then we realize the presence was there all along. So it's not that God's denying that to you. So keep that in mind. It's the ego that's denying that to you, and that's the part that you you can tear down and that you are tearing down. You may not see the results just yet or think you do, but they are there, and they're growing all the time. So don't don't give up hope. Yeah, because... uh you know, the ego wants you to give up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I feel uh, the frustration behind that question. And I think everybody gets frustrated. For sure. Uh, yeah. Doing the course. Because it's not uh, an easy path, uh, but it is a great path. And it may be the fastest way out of here. I think it is. And, uh, you know, if you're doing, you know, what this person said that they were doing, you know, reading uh, the text, thank you with the Holy Spirit, I assume doing the workbook, uh, you know, I would just say keep it up, you know, because eventually it will work because of the way that the mind works. But it's, uh, you know, something I like to bring up to people. Don't forget to go all the way with this and engage in what art and person call spiritual sight. Uh, the Course describes it as vision, and, uh, you know, as long as you appear to be in the dream, you can have spiritual vision and also uh, what the Course calls true perception. And that really does lead you out of here. But it's it's kind of like you're thinking with the Holy Spirit, and after a while you start to get that you are the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, there right. is no difference between you and the Holy Spirit. You were just out of touch with it, and you weren't aware of it. But that doesn't mean that uh, that wasn't you, because once you get up to that level of Spirit, it's all the same. Now, at that point, distinctions between things like God and Christ and Spirit and Holy Spirit, all that disappears and there's just that perfect oneness where it's all exactly the same forever no, extending. Yeah, there's no need for the symbols at all. Yeah, that's a, a point that a lot of people, and all of us, I guess, at one point or another, the Holy Spirit is not something outside of ourselves. It is essentially us. It's our mind in its fully corrected state, So without yeah. without believing in any one bit of the illusion. And so that's, we're removing the bits, if you will, the blocks, the grains of sand, whatever you want to symbolize it as, that keeps us from seeing the, the totality, the pureness of, of the truth. The Holy Spirit is already fully aware of that, and that's what it's leading us. So it's leading us back to our true self. That's right. And uh, that's why Helen Schuckman's initials were HS. <laughs> I, 
I think there were some times that Bill Thetford had a different two words for those initials. But uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, it's sure you know, he did. It, sure he did. You yeah. know, somebody told me about uh, Bill Thetford because he had a good sense of humor. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like uh, he was waiting for somebody to come into his office. He was having a meeting, you know, just a short meeting with Ken and Judy, and they were leaving, and these new people were coming into his office, and he was overheard to say. Okay, show the guilty bastards in here so I can forgive them. <laughs> the guilty bastards. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he definitely had a sense of humor. Yeah, and I think that's almost essential. Oh yeah. Well, what, that's you know, as the course we've talked about this so many times. The course, how many you couldn't count the number of times the course refers in one way to another to laughing away the ego, because it's not yeah. by being serious. It's not by certainly not by hating the ego. The ego wants you to hate it. As long as you hate something, it's happy. So it's laughing it away, seeing it for the absurdity that it is, and uh, and there's nothing to do but laugh at that. Amazing. That question, by the way, that was from uh, 2013, because I had mentioned earlier about going uh, to older ones as well as newer ones. Our first question was from yesterday. That one there was from 2013. And, and before that, Fernando, that question was from 2010. See, we never get rid of these things. They're still here. I know they don't do us much good if they're just buried in my computer, but they are here, and we eventually get to at least some of them. So that was from 2010. Here's one from uh, just earlier this year, back in February of what is still 2014. Uh, this one came through. Uh, let me just hear, uh, talking about, you know, about my health situation, speaking of body stuff and, and being better and all that. This is from, uh, from Ron, Ronnie, uh, glad about the recovery and glad that we're, you and I have been doing more podcasts and says it's so helpful to hear, speaking to me, helpful to hear you and Gary interact as you answer the questions posed by readers of Gary's books. It makes the way for his next book more easy to endure. Oh, that's because yours had not quite come out then at that time, but it's out now. So the endurance test is over. My my question is, this is about uh, something that Persa talked about. My question is about the helpful massage tips given by Persa. I'll have to have make sure my Helen listens in. Being a licensed massage therapist, she'll enjoy this question as well. Massage tips given by Persa. How are we, mere mortals, <laughs> supposed to massage our hearts? Of the five areas of our bodies which deserve special attention and massage, this is the only one which is internal. The chest muscles can be massaged, but they definitely are not the muscles which pump blood throughout the body. Is this meant to be a mind exercise rather than a physical manipulation? I'm confused about that. That's from Ronnie. Yeah, well, you know, when uh, we first talked about that, which you can see in the third book, uh, I was going to ask Persa to demonstrate all of this to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I stopped myself because I just knew what the answer would be. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm proud of myself. I didn't even go there. <laughs> and, you are uh, the master of your domain, Gary. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Besides, I have Cindy. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you're not actually sticking your hand into your heart, and you know, you don't have to cut your chest open or anything. Uh, it, it does provide some stimulation to the heart, even though you're not actually touching the heart. And uh, yeah, it's a mind thing too. Uh, ultimately, it's all a mind thing. You know, but uh, those things are meant to stimulate certain areas because the body itself is capable of great healing, and you can stimulate it. You know, even though the body itself is a projection of the mind, uh, that's actually important because then you start to understand that the pain is not really in the body, and that uh, what you're healing, like when you massage your scalp, for example, uh, what you're healing is not in the body; it's actually in the mind because there's a projection that is coming from the mind, which yeah. means that the body itself is just symbolic. Uh, so by doing these things, you're kind of like doing it in the mind, and you know, of course the more you undo the ego, the more you realize that. So when uh, a person said that pain is not a physical process, it's a mental process, you could also think of that as healing. Healing is also not a physical process. Uh, it's a mental process, and yet at the same time you can still do things in the dream that give form to your intention to get well. Uh, I like the illustration in the Manual for Teachers. Uh, there's a section called How is Healing Accomplished? And it talks about how, you know, someone's in a hospital and the doctor comes in and they get better and they think that the doctor made them well. And what really made them well was their own mind. Uh, you know, the Course asks, who is sick? Well, the mind of the patient. Uh, who gets well? 
Uh, it's the mind of the patient. You know, it's always in the mind. But uh, then it says that, you know, the doctor shows up, and the doctor is simply giving form to the patient's decision to get well. So there's like something in the dream that seems to be facilitating you getting well, but the truth is always that the healing takes place in your mind, and then, yes, symbols of that healing may show up in the world. So that patient already probably decided to get well. Then the doctor shows up and appears to heal them, but uh, there's a reason for that, too, because your ego may become, in some cases, uh, too fearful if you just have a spontaneous healing. And then it may find another way to hurt you that could be even worse. So uh, in a way, you could even think of it as uh, kind of like, you know, giving your ego a break in the sense that you're not going to take it too far too fast so that it doesn't become too afraid. Very good. Let's do one more, Gary. I think we have time for one more question here because I know we have yeah. to, you have to wrap yeah, it up. And, and, uh, I, I think from now on we'll always probably do more questions also yeah we'll try to well we it's always been our plan to at least do a couple of questions in each episode but uh we we obviously had a backlog so I'm, this is really cool we've, we've covered a lot of ground here today we'll do one more and uh then we'll have a quick closing comment from you and then uh, at the end i can come back and just remind everybody about our next show that's coming up real soon and oh and i also i'm going to talk a little bit about the uh my on course study group which we're about to begin our sixth year of studying the workbook intensely the workbook we talked about the lessons earlier i'm not going to go into that greatly right now we'll, but we'll talk more about that later but uh doing the workbook i mean you know you you've you call me mr workbook because i've been so focused on it but that is such an engine of progress within our spiritual awakening i mean that's really it's like uh you're working with a personal trainer called Jesus who who is there. These words are so powerful. It really is just remarkable. And you can do it, obviously, at any time, but the beginning of the year is the easiest time to kind of synchronize with a lot of people who are doing the same thing. So there's real power in the workbook, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And uh, you know, I can't overemphasize how important the workbook is. It really is what gets your uh, mind into the habit of thinking with the Holy Spirit instead of thinking with ego, and the more you get into that habit, uh, the better you're going to be at practicing forgiveness more quickly, which means you suffer less, and uh, everything just keeps going faster in terms of undoing the ego. Yeah. You know, real quickly, Gare, I've got a special visitor. Oh, she just walked away. Willie, our little kitty cat, Willie, had come in. Of Boots and Willie, everybody knows uh, about She yeah. just came in. She likes it when I'm when I'm working at the computer, because then she can come and interrupt me. And she, she stands up on her hind legs, and she taps me on the forearm, on my left arm. <laughs> and she stares right into my face, and she taps me, like, tap, 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 until I look down at her. She looks me right in the eyes and goes, He's a little like, oh, don't you want to rub my hiney now? And then she, then she like rolls over so I can rub her belly and her hiney, and she goes crazy. <laughs> and she, she'll come in three or four times, you know, in an hour when I'm working on stuff. So she was just in here again. I thought maybe, maybe we'd hear her, but we didn't quite. Okay. Well, she sounds, uh, she sounds a lot like our Luna. Luna, yes, yeah. She does a lot of, a lot of the same things. That's just, little a total joy. Little bundles of furry love. Okay, final question, and you're going to like this one because the subject of this one came in. Instead of saying questions for Gary, this one says, "Questions for Beer Man." I mean, Gary. So. <laughs> This is this is from obviously a friend of ours. Uh, this is uh, Stephen from Seattle, um, and he's he on his little signature line down here is a, a company apparently that he's with called Monster Costume. Where was he when we needed him? Whoa. <clears throat> But anyway, says, uh, hi, Gene and Gary. I have practiced forgiveness for nine years now, uh, uh, given a lot of abilities, improved my life. Uh, I've taught friends who were suicidal about forgiveness. They're now living happy lives. Wow. You know, so this can be so transformative. Um, so anyway, wants to know, um, uh, he's got a couple other things, but the main point is this. Uh, thanks to Gary and the course, I have given up going after abilities and focused on forgiving. Now, this has had a side effect of losing a lot of my ability to still my mind, like I guess in meditation. It says, at the same time, forgiving also stills the mind on its own, since my thoughts now kind of seem useless. <laughs> well, I'm wondering what the balance is between finding forgiveness opportunities and sitting down and focusing on God for however many minutes per day. I know I have to balance this more properly, but I've never really looked into how to do it. 
Yeah, so and that's from uh, from Stephen in Seattle of Monster Costume. Um, interesting because it's uh, you know forgiveness is kind of an active process in a way. I mean, ultimately we're letting it go and releasing it to nothingness, but we we feel like we have to be doing that even though we need to do nothing. So you, as you said earlier, we talked about walking the world and forgiveness opportunities spring up and slap us in the face, and then we have so you seek them out and you actively forgive them. But then there's also the aspect of, as you've spoken about in your books and, and some recordings, about sitting quietly in a quiet, prayerful meditation with God. So, yeah, what is the proper balance with that? Yeah, I think that uh, however you do the course, you know, there's no right or wrong way. Uh, it's really between you and the Holy Spirit. I do like to do both. I do like to balance it. I like to join with God, spend some quiet time with God uh, at the beginning of the day and quiet the mind. And uh, I would recommend that to everybody. Yes, forgiveness is the number one thing that you want to do. That is the course. That is the miracle in A Course in Miracles. But uh, I think it's also good to maybe he would just like to add a little bit uh, to that and spend some quiet time with God. I mean, I just do five minutes. It doesn't have to be a lot. And if you're in a hurry, if I don't have time to do it, I'll just say to Jesus on the way out the door, Hey, Jesus, you and me, right? You know, that's, that's good enough. As long as you connect, that's the main thing. It's always so, the intent, uh, and, and there is no time. So when you do get a bit of, not fully, but just a bit of a handle on the fact that time isn't real, then it, it doesn't matter if it's a second or five minutes or 20 minutes. It, it just doesn't matter because it's always timeless. So as you said, yeah, quick, come on, Jesus, <laughs> you and me, buddy. You know, but you've, you've, you've pulled that consciousness closer to your own, and that's kind of making that connection. That's right. And speaking of connecting, I have someone here who just wants to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Oh, cool. Give you a Happy New Year just, just for one minute. Uh, here's, uh, here's someone. <laughs> who could it be? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Of our dear Savior's birth. Merry Christmas, everybody! You know, you know, Cindy, I wasn't going to make an appearance quite this early in the season, and with my sleigh bells, but you just brought the Santa out in me. Cindy, Laura Renard, hello, darling, how are you? Hello, Jean Bogart, and hello to beautiful Helen, too. Thank you, she, oh, oh, and there, here, here, come on over here, honey, we're, this is, this is a live program, at least while we're doing it. It's Santa! (laughs) It was not only is it Santa, but on the phone it's Cindy. <laughs> Hi, hello, Cindy. Hello, hello. hello, Helen. Hello, Jean, and hello to everybody who's listening. Merry Christmas to everybody. This is an amazing time of year if you choose for it to be so. <laughs> and it's always it is a matter of choice. People can choose yes. to be grumpy or sad, or they can choose to be happy. And there's no better yes. time, you know. I guess for people, if they're if you're in a down mood, it might make you more down to see other people so cheerful. But then those of us who practice forgiveness, which is pretty much everybody who's listening to this program, let's be serious, will all be able to say, yeah, you know, I can let that go, and I can I can embrace the joy. Oh, but I'm embracing Santa. It's good to hear both your voices. Yes, and uh, this is great. We have four of us here, but maybe we'll, because I know this one, we were sticking to questions for Gary, and I think the question now is, could we have more cuteness? We've had Willie, and then we got Helen and Cindy, and, and then you're stuck with me and Gary. But uh, maybe on the next one where we will be officially, officially addressing Christmas and New Year's, maybe uh, maybe we can have you guys back on again. The two ladies. How about that? Absolutely. And, and we, you could have a kind of a Christmas message. Maybe. Oh, Cindy was just singing "Oh Holy Night," and maybe the next time we can arrange. Well, get the other headphones and mic out, and Helen can harmonize with you live on the podcast. How about that? That would be a first. That would be a first. It would. It sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I'm up for that. We'll see if we can work that out on the next, and, and we'll we'll talk about the scheduling afterwards. But uh, that's just a, a possibility. It's not a promise because we don't know what'll happen, but we're going to try. <laughs> nice to yes. talk to you, Cindy. We love you. Well, love you too. And again, hello to everyone. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas, whatever it is you're doing, and wonderful New Year. 
and I'm glad I got to say hello. Yeah, today. well, we always love speaking with you. I know I haven't talked to you for a while, so it's actually a thrill for me, too. Here. I know. Well, we will have to catch up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, are, is Gary going to say hi again? I, I think he is. He's going to say one thing. Yeah, he's going to come in with a, with a quick close then... to us. So, uh <laughs> Gary, okay. okay. We've we've okay. gotten a lot of questions today. That was great. I'm really I'm glad we're able to do that. And uh, again, I I always apologize very sincerely. I know people probably are frustrated and disappointed because it's taken so long to get to these. But we we are making a better effort, and at least we made a good step towards it today. So, Aww. so that's well, good. I'm, I'm sh- yeah. Questions and answers are wonderful because it opens up the conversation to so many different topics too. Yeah. And- it just leads other places where you might not expect, and it's really great. As we always and talk about the, the course being so holographic in its nature that we're always looking kind of at the same hole, but we're seeing it from different facets, from different angles, little tiny different perspectives, and it always leads us to the one singularity sort of in the middle. And questions are a perfect way to do that because you're hearing from other other seemingly separated minds, as we all are the separated ones that we all believe ourselves to be. We each have a little different viewpoint and perspective but ultimately the truth is the same for all of us and that's what we're moving back towards so uh it, it is really very great and a very effective way to do it and we we love our people that, that listen to the show and and they love us and we love them oh warm fuzzy <laughs> it is it's a big love fest i know it sounds sickening but i love it uh, i really I do pushy <laughs> and sickening yes but <laughs> Well, maybe on the next so, one, because you, you are kind of the Christmas kid. Gary has talked about that before, that, you know, you and I am too, Helen and I both, as oh, people yeah. may may or may not know, you know, we keep our Christmas tree up all year long. We do, and it's not just laziness. We keep it up. We light the lights. It's it, it's just part really, of it. Really, do you? Oh, yeah. I actually have never known anyone to keep it up all year long. You're the yeah. first that uh, said that. We, we, I love we, that. We are among, among the few. Um, someday I'll, well, there were reasons why that tradition began, and now we're just so, in, I wouldn't know what our home looked like without our Christmas tree in the corner. So Aww. needless to say, it, it's not a living or wasn't a living. <laughs> it's an artificial tree because it's been there for years. But we change it around a little bit, add new ornaments and change the lights here and there, and then we we put on a few extra things around Christmas time itself, but we literally light it up night after night just to enjoy the multicolored glow in the corner of our room there. So it's very oh, nice. I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And but on may, that maybe beautiful I'll, note, I'm going to give you back to Gary. Okay. And, a call and, and hopefully we can work it out where, where you can perhaps be part of the next conversation as well. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. What a nice surprise this was, Cindy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I got to say hello, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Okay, sweetie. Thanks. Okay, here's Gare. Okay, the Gare man. And we think uh, we've we've done real well. We can pat ourselves on the back here today, Gary. And uh, we were thinking perhaps we'll be back very soon with our next podcast. I have said that before. We're going to surprise you this time because it will be for real. Uh, but just a quick homily, the closing thoughts from uh, Father Gary to leave with our, our audience of, of devoted listeners. What did you say there, Father Gary? Well, I just want to wish everybody happy holidays. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, a great new year coming up. Uh, this year has been very challenging uh, for us. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. But this has, uh, you know, not been a particularly uh, easy year. This has been a tough year, and uh, I'll talk about that some more. But at least we know what it's for, and uh, I think there'll be a great year coming up. Uh, remember what Jesus said to Helen. One New Year's Day, he said, make this year different by making it all the same. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that because it really is all the same, and everything can be equally forgiving because uh, you can't make a distinction between the big and the little things, which uh, we'll get into because they're really all the same. And, uh, you know, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. There's that great quote from the Course. Uh, and keeping in mind that the word light in the Course doesn't mean a physical light. It, it means the truth. So when the Course says, uh, the sign of Christmas is a star, a light in darkness, uh, see it not outside yourself, but shining in the heaven within, and accept it as the sign the time of Christ has come, that light which is shining within you is the truth. And the truth is God, and God is love, and that's what you are. So, uh, you know, let's kind of like take it in that spirit, because... As uh, I've always said, you, you don't have to go looking for love if that's where you're coming from. So uh, have a wonderful holiday. God bless uh, you and Helen and the cats, and have a great, uh, great holiday. And I'll be talking to you again real soon anyway. 
Thanks, buddy. We will talk soon, and we will be back to uh, to meet everybody in our following podcast, which will be episode 54, and that's coming up really soon, and we'll talk more about the holidays and the new year to come on that one. Okay. Thanks a lot, buddy. We'll see you. As Gary had mentioned, we'll be back with a new episode, episode 54 of the Gary Renard Podcast. Coming up real soon, this may be the closest together we've ever done two episodes, because this one will be coming out the next one just before New Year's. And in that one, we will talk a lot about the holiday season, what it all means, and what we're looking forward to in the new year. We'll probably also get to a, another or two more questions for Gary in the next show, too. It was great that we got to do so many of them this time. We apologize for taking a while to get to a lot of these, but uh, but we do get to them sooner or later. So thank you so much. I think this was cool. We got a lot of very good course-based discussion based on your great questions. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you also for, I want to speak just to the folks who have already been studying with the Encore Study Group uh, this past year and for several previous years. And as Gary mentioned, uh, we're starting again this year again, coming through with the workbook lessons of A Course in Miracles each day, available conveniently in your email box, along with my recordings of the lesson and some commentary and things that really just help to structure it and make studying the course so effective. So we hope you will join us with that. What I'm going to do to make it very easy to do that this year is just send me an email, and we'll, we can talk about the other stuff later on, whatever particulars are involved, but this way you'll be connected. I'll get the uh, lesson starting to come to you right on the uh, 1st of January, and uh, you'll be on the list already, and then we can talk more afterwards. But just an email, send it to gene at genebogart.com. And just put on course in the subject line. I'll also put a link to that right at the home page of forgiveness.tv. And please check in with forgiveness.tv because we are going to have a couple of new changes coming up there and new little things. The features do change all the time. So uh, make sure you pop in and take a look every now and then. And of course, here on the podcasts, I'll alert you when uh, anything new is there for you to see. So please do that. And, uh, and I'll be looking forward to hearing from you guys on that subject. And the Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations, presented through Forgiveness.tv. All verbal content of our programs is copyright still 2014 for a short time left. From Gary Renard and Gene Bogart, all rights reserved, all grievances forgiven, as always. For more information about Gary Renard, go to his website, GaryRenard.com. And I've already told you about Forgiveness.tv. And what I'm going to do to close out this episode of the Gary Renard Podcast, you know, for those of you who are dedicated enough to hang out right till the very, very end, you get to hear some silly thing that I always put in at the back end. I love doing that. and I, I, A lot of people email me and say how they get a kick out of it. So I'm just glad anybody listens. But rather than do that tonight, because I'll tell you as I'm recording these words, it has just turned midnight, the morning of Christmas. It's been Christmas Eve, and now it has just turned into Christmas Day early in the hours here on the East Coast of the United States of America. And uh, um, this is going to be released later tonight, so it'll be sort of a Christmas gift to everyone. And it's also the, uh, the we just completed the final night of Hanukkah. So please, it's, a, it's both a happy Hanukkah, a merry Christmas, and just a wonderful happy holiday season for all the different holidays that we celebrate. So in keeping with that, rather than my little funny thing at the end, I'm going to include right at the tail end of this program an excerpt from my recording, The End of Sacrifice, it's called. It's from the text of A Course in Miracles. And this is the section which is the concluding segment of the CD I put together, also available at the homepage at Forgiveness.tv. But that concluding segment is pretty well known, very beloved from the Course. It's the part that's called Christmas as the End of Sacrifice. So I'm going to leave you with that as a little extra bonus at the end of the program tonight. So don't tune out just yet. But until the next time, which won't be very much time, I do want to remind you, this is Gene Bogart saying thank you so very much. It really is both a pleasure and a privilege to share Christmas and all of these holidays with you. And from all of us to all of you, very Merry Christmas. It feels very special saying it, that it just turned into Christmas Day as I say this. So we love you all. Thank you so much. And whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Festivus, you can forget about those grievances. You don't need to air those because whatever the grievance, 
and whatever the question. Forgiveness is always the answer. The sign of Christmas is a star, a light in darkness. See it not outside yourself, but shining in the heaven within, and accept it as the sign the time of Christ has come. He comes demanding nothing, no sacrifice of any kind, of any one, is asked by him. In His presence, the whole idea of sacrifice loses all meaning, for He is host to God. And you need but invite Him in, who is there already, by recognizing that His host is one, and no thought alien to His oneness can abide with Him there. Love must be total to give Him welcome, for the presence of holiness creates the holiness that surrounds it. No fear can touch the host who cradles God in the time of Christ, for the host is as holy as the perfect innocence which he protects and whose power protects him. This Christmas, give the Holy Spirit everything that would hurt you, let yourself be healed completely, that you may join with Him in healing, and let us celebrate our release together by releasing everyone with us. Leave nothing behind, for release is total, and when you have accepted it with me, you will give it with me. All pain and sacrifice and littleness will disappear in our relationship, which is as innocent as our relationship with our Father and as powerful. Pain will be brought to us and disappear in our presence, and without pain there can be no sacrifice, and without sacrifice there love must be.